0: Busy worshiping. I kept getting Revelations 4, and uh, I don't want to go into it too much, but I just want to read the beginning. It said, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you. And I just... Um, Just receive that this morning, that there's an open door in heaven, and God has invited us to come up here, and I'll show you. That this world that we're living in right now, it doesn't need more of man's cleverness or more of man's wisdom. What it needs is the Spirit of God, and the door's open in heaven for us as the people of God to come up here, and God will show us. And to allow the Spirit of God to breathe into every single area that we have dominion over. Every, one of, every area of our sphere of influence. Lord, I just thank you right now that we take that invitation and we say yes to you. Say yes to the Spirit of God. I do feel that sons and daughters are arising. Uh, Romans 8 tells us that those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters. Being led by the Spirit this time for God to arise. And um, it's part of what I want to share this morning too. It's just, it's just giving Jesus His rightful place, um, the Spirit of Christ being allowed to do what He's always wanted to do in and through our lives. It's, a, it's what Jesus paid for on the cross, and allowing Him to do that. You know, I, I, in um, some things that I'm involved with at the moment, um, it's amazing that I come in contact with a number of different people from with all different. Um, backgrounds and, um, and religions, um, some crazy ones and some interesting ones. But what's interesting is that they don't mind talking um, amongst themselves, but the minute you mention the name of Jesus, then suddenly it just all goes quiet because they know he's actually the king, <laughs> and uh, he's about to do something, and so they're intimidated. And so I want to encourage you, um, intimidate the enemy in these times, by staying close and yoked to Jesus, by declaring and speaking that which Jesus spoke. Amen. It's not our words that, that uh, the enemy shakes with, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's living and active, not our words. Amen. Where does the Lord want me to start? <laughs> you! Maybe let me share this. I'll just share this. Just to encourage every single one of you, um, we, I think it was Jane who was ministering a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about um, how everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And only that which uh, is of the Lord, which is of God, uh, will remain. And so we need to be encouraged in our lives, uh, not intimidated, just encouraged in our lives when things are shaken. Because if they shake, it means that they're not built on on the Lord, and then we must allow God to make the change, make help us to shift. Amen. Finding a lot of Christians whatever just getting a little bit nervous because things are being shaken. I'm going to thank you, Lord, that it is being shaken, because I'd rather shake now, than later. Amen. Because later I will be shaking, in front of the Lord. <laughs> so the things that need to be shaken, let them shake now. So that everything that in our lives, is established and built on the rock. Amen. Last week, I shared with the the, the first service. Last week, uh, Connor preached a word, great word, um, and one which I encourage if you haven't heard it to go back and to listen to it. Um, it's it's a really powerful word, and um, there's very a lot of prophetic stuff that that I believe God was speaking through Connor for the church, but also for the the time that we're living in. Um, but I also just want to say this this morning that. Um, there was a picture, thank you, thank you, buddy. There was a picture uh, in there that um, is a picture that you'll see throughout the whole Bible. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, um, God gives a picture of his dream, of his heart. And uh, that picture uh, Connor shared, and it was from um, Genesis 28. And in Genesis 28, we know the story, very quickly, I don't want to preach Connor's preach. Um, but um, where Jacob, um, he's on a journey. He comes to this place. He takes a rock, puts his head on the rock, and he rests, falls asleep, and he has this incredible vision where there's a ladder and there's angels going up and down uh, to heaven. And um, you know, God speaks to him, and he wakes up and he says, "Wow, he didn't know this is this is this truly the Lord's in this place." And he called the place Bethel, the house of God, and also he says in the gate. Um, to heaven, and um, what I want to just pull out and, and flow from that is that that is a picture of God's heart for the church. That's a God picture of God's heart for eternity. God's heart from the very beginning in Genesis was to create a group of people um, where He could dwell in their midst. He wanted to create a group of people that could rest their heads on the rock, and we know who the rock is. The rock is Jesus. He wanted to have a group of people that as they rested and as they trusted, as they put their, their complete confidence, because you know when you sleep, you, you, when you're resting, whatever, there's a, there's a confidence and a trust. Um, there's a complete confidence and a trust on Jesus. And when there's a complete confidence and trust in Jesus, then I'm able to commune and uh, heaven's able to come to earth. I'm able to commune with heaven, uh, bring heaven to earth. There's this relationship with the Lord, and then in all of that too, I'll become a gateway through my life. When gateway, when you open the gates, you can see. So I'll become a gateway where people can encounter, taste, and see that the Lord is good. They can see who God is, right? So this beautiful place and positioning that God wants His people, always wanted His people. It's why Jesus paid the price on the cross for this position of resting in Christ and of communing, having relationship with God, getting the heart of God, breathing through the Spirit of God into this earth, and allowing people to see who God is, because that's how they see. They see through you and I. So there's this beautiful picture, and as, as I was just meditating on that beautiful picture, um, I I want to go into what I want to share this morning, and I've called uh, the preach or the the title of the preach, "Follow the Compass, Not the Clock." Follow the compass, not the clock. And I want to launch off in Romans. If you can, if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Follow the compass, not the clock. Verse uh, in, in chapter 15, verse uh, 22. Let's go from verse 22. I'll read this. Um, now, Paul's obviously speaking to the Romans. This is a letter to the Romans. Uh, in that context, um, I am doing something I don't normally do and just going to read two verses. I love to bring context to it. I always say this if you don't bring context, then the text can always con you. Um, and. Uh, and so I just don't have time to do that, but because I, I just want to pull out some truths. But in 22 it says, "This is the reason, Paul, cheering to the Romans, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you, relating to what he's just written. But now, since I no longer have any room uh, for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in the passing, in passing, as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company." for a while. So this is the great Paul. He's speaking. He's writing to the Romans. This is a Paul who um, um, has literally surrendered, yielded his life. He's had this incredible encounter where God knocked him to the ground. Um, he was a guy who was persecuting the church. Now God divinely knocks him to the ground, speaks to him. He, he, it's just a, a complete a divine encounter and turnaround. Life's changed. He's even blind. Ananias comes to him. Uh, speaks and declares to him that God's going to show him what he's got to do and his whole purpose and his destiny. His eyes are open. gets a revelation of the purpose of the plan, the will of God, um, uh, the dream of God over his life, uh, now is led totally by the Spirit of God, and he's moving. Uh, he's getting denied, going to places. The Holy Spirit says, no, don't go there. You must go here. He's, uh, he's going into the into the most toughest of places, getting beaten up. Other times he's getting rescued out of jail. This same Paul here writes to the Romans, and he tells them that for years I've been wanting to come to you. His heart was to come to Rome. He wanted to get to Rome. Uh, So he'd been years wanting to get to Rome, but he was just being obedient to the Lord. He wasn't going and living his life based on his own thinking, his own ideas, his own desires. Because it says for years he wanted this. Um, so he was um, following uh, the Spirit of God. And then what I, uh, my favorite part to this is I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul's desire was actually to go to Spain. Um, so he was going to go to Rome and pass through Rome and go to Spain. And then his also desire was, he says there, I'm hoping that when I come to you, that um, um, I will spend some time with you guys, but also that you will um, enable me with financially, so that I can get to Spain. So it's almost as even—it's appeal. It's almost as if you can look at this as a whole letter of appeal. And he's saying, he's saying to the Romans, he shares with them the gospel, but he says, I'm hoping to come to you guys. I really want to be with you. Another great punt for in person. Um, uh, he didn't say I'm gonna. I'll just keep WhatsApping you guys. Um, he says, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one in person, but he says, he says here that, um, you know, I trust that I'll be able to come to you and get the finances to go on to Spain. Now, I say all that because I want to say this very quickly. Um, he had a desire to go to Spain, but as many of you do know, uh, he never ever uh, went to Spain. So he had a dream to go to Spain, but he never ever went, went to Spain. And uh, I wanted to say this morning, what is your Spain? What is your dream in God? You see, because we, we can take our dream, whatever it is. Now, I want to be successful. I want to have a great business. I want to have the best plumbing business in South Africa. And I want 17 branches or whatever. 17 just because it's my favorite number. So um, there's no, nothing prophetic on that. Um, but I have to now overlay that dream with God's dream for my life. Because when God's dream comes over my life, it's way bigger normally than my dream. And then it starts to infiltrate into my dream because God's not, just wants me to be all about myself. He's, he's, I'm, I'm put on this earth, not just for myself, but for, for people, right? So now he starts to create my dream. And then my dream, as it gets bigger and bigger, um, because it's so big, whatever, is what is your Spain? What's, what's the thing that gets you up in the morning? What's the thing that makes you come alive? This is what God's birthed inside of you. It's what he breathed inside of you. It's what you were created. You were formed. You were wonderfully formed. God breathed on you. How many of you know here, yeah, none of you get saved by yourselves. You, don't, you didn't choose God. God chose you. It's a powerful thing when you read through the book of Acts to realize that uh, Galatians 1.15 says that Paul was chosen before he was even born. He was chosen before he was born, but he had an encounter on the Damascus Road. That was a divine appointment by God. Why the in between? I don't know. Leave that to the Lord. But you see, Paul had a dream, and it was to go to Spain. This is what he felt God was calling him to. And but even though he never he never reached Spain, because he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was obeying God and following God, not the clock. You see, when you follow a compass, a compass gives you the direction. It doesn't give you the times or the arrivals. It just gives you the direction. If you keep following north, ultimately you will get where you need to go, but it's not going to give you the times. And if you don't reach there, what is amazing for me, what's fascinating for me is later on in the Word of God in Philippians, it tells us that, that he could say, I have finished my race. I desire to go to Spain. Well, Paul, you didn't finish then. No, you see, he wasn't. He had a dream, of but he listened to the Holy Spirit, and he followed the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit when, when the Holy Spirit said, okay, you're done, I'm done. So you see, what we've got to do is grab hold of the dream of God, find out what the dream of God is. Then we've got to listen to God, and we've got to follow that, and not let the clock or timing begin to dictate to us. Because when you allow timing to dictate to you, that's when stress happens. See, because the minute you, you put a time limit on it, you're starting to now... Uh, Dictates to the one who knows all. It's fascinating when you understand that you know when you, when we talk about this thing, you're putting your head on the rock. You're talking about Jesus, the one who is all knowing, is omniscient. He he knows everything. The Bible actually says every uh, day of your life has been already numbered before you even born. So he knows the beginning and the end. This is Jesus who knows the beginning and an end. And now we're trying to dictate to him the right timing. See, now I know it sounds funny, but it's what we do, do. What we do do. Do do. It's a load of do do. No, it's a (laughs) you see, we often focus on the arrival, but God focuses on the journey. So beautiful. It's all about the journey. You know what, God? He actually loved walking with Adam and Eve in the garden and talking with them. They didn't have an arrival wasn't like, no, Lord, quick, we need to go here quickly. Don't, don't worry. Shh, shh. <laughs> I just need to get here because I want you to help me now. You see this here? I need you to do this and that and the other. No, they love just communing and talking with God. The journey is actually where you develop and grow, not the arrival. See, and that, God wants to just develop and grow us in Him. So I said, when, when Jesus called the disciples, as He was walking along, He said, follow me. He didn't say, come now, guys, and we're going to have to, there's things that need to be done that need to be sorted out. He just said, follow me. It's almost as if it's a, it's a wooing and a call to say, you don't have to worry, just f- follow me. I'm going to lead. You won't go any place where I haven't gone. So there's almost this, this understanding of, of in following, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a place of rest because um, he's leading and we're just following. I shared in the, in the first service as well, I was just saying, this is a lot to do with a male kind of limp, um, is that we, we, as often as males, we don't like to ask for directions, right? So what's more difficult, uh, finding your own way to a destination or following somebody who knows where the place is? Okay, most men we don't ask for. Directions so it takes us it's quite difficult we eventually hopefully get to our destination and I was sharing that when Jane asked me to go buy something uh, At the at the shops and the supermarkets and what have you I spent like most of my time walking the whole supermarket to find an item that was right in the front and Passed about six or seven different workers there who could have just said sorry where's this and they would have said you just tripped over it So it's right here <laughs> but I wandered around looking for it because at the end of the day, that, that's what the people of God end up doing. They, 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 they've so acclimatized. We, I can almost want to say this: we're living in the wrong covenant. See, the old covenant is rooted in performance. So you can't please God with your performance. See, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, you might be saying, oh, well, hold on a minute. Um, uh, isn't our performance important? Yes, it's only important because it's connected to your heart. You see, well, because the new covenant is a covenant of faith. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, with the heart, man believes. See, it's a faith thing. So, how do you please God? Hebrews 11:6 without faith. It is impossible to please God. So there's a new covenant that we operate in, which is faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ that we are called to operate in now, not performance. So that's why we follow the compass. We follow the leading of Holy Spirit. Don't follow the clock. We follow Jesus, go where he says, do what he says, and then we trust and we stay in faith. That's why it's a covenant of faith. Grace is his part, and faith is our part. And then if we stay in faith, then outcomes are God's domain. And mine is simply to follow. So our journey is to follow, and the outcome is his domain. You see, then, then you, you understand true rest, because true rest, you're not trying to—true rest is found in just simply following and honoring Him and listening to Him. Now, I do, that's something we, its for another time, but to unpack just about following Him and hearing the voice of God, absolutely vital. But our call is actually to follow Him, not performance, Maybe just quickly go to um, Hebrews chapter four. I'll just quickly, Hebrews chapter four. Uh, just, I'll read a few verses. Just reading from verse one. Therefore. While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith. With those who listened. It's interesting, yeah. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said as I swore my wrath they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world now that's just interesting that there's a rest here that we can enter into because he's rested because his works were finished from the foundation of the world so now you start to get shaken a little bit with performance and doing something when we rest because his works have been finished from the foundation of the world. Ooh. I haven't got time to unpack that, but they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Now that just sounds like an oxymoron. Strive to enter that rest. Strive to rest. The reason for that is because there's such a bombardment against what this is actually saying to us about rest. You see, our default is to actually work. To get rest and God's saying actually if you will just believe in me if it's you unite your heart with faith in something that's already actually been completed a long time ago and I'll, I'll tell you about that now I'll unpack that but let's for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword isn't that powerful that that particular scripture fits into rest The Word of God is living and active and sharper. Why can I rest? I rest in the Word of God who is living and active. See, my trust is in the Word of the Lord. I was saying this morning, I'll just drop it out here, because I think it does fit as well. It's just, um, you know, when you stand before the Lord one day, there are two words you want God to say to you. And that's good and faithful. Good and faithful servant. The reality is that even man, with his own efforts, can actually be good. We know there's only one who's good, the Bible says, is God. But we can, in our best moments, we can be quite good. Um, But faithful. Without God. There's only one who is faithful. In Revelation 3, you'll see there, I think it's verse 7 and verse 14, it, when it describes Jesus when it's speaking to the churches, to the Philadelphian church, and I think also to the Laodicean church. He says, the one who is faithful, the faithful and true, is only Jesus. And so I was sharing, um, you know, there's a lot, I've had a lot of laborers on the land working, working. Um, for me in doing the, the, the land, landscaping it, and for the building, and uh, I've had some really good workers, and um, they were good. They worked really hard, they were, and they were quite skilled, um, but not many They were faithful, because faithful, you know, when you call on them, whatever, they pitch late, they don't, because the reality is, in man, it's one of our weak points, we, we battle to be faithful which is exactly even going back from the beginning in the garden. Adam and, Adam and Eve were doing great for a while, they could, but then they became unfaithful, which is what, why God knew all along what we needed. We needed the faithful and true one. We needed to put our lives on the rock. We needed to yield and surrender so that the faithful one inside of us could enable us to be faithful, so that when the storms come, in Matthew seven twenty three twenty four, then our life is built on the rock. And even though the storms come, it doesn't say that when they, if they come, it said when they come. They will come, but we're built on the rock and we do not get shaken. We are reliable, steadfast. We are sure and we are true because our life is built on Christ. I've put my head, I've put my life, I've put everything in on Him. I'm resting on Him. Amen? oh somehow I got to the end of page 1 earlier it was amazing uh, now I want to I want to encourage us as a church because I I want to I want to I want to touch something on something now but I want to encourage us as a church that uh, as a church we are incredibly passionate about the nations we're incredi- incredibly passionate about people groups particularly 1040 window because um, they've never heard the name of Jesus. And we stir up and we passionately cry out to uh, those sheep that God has entrusted to us as elders uh, for, for the same things that fills God's heart, that breaks His heart, that His heart cries for, um, that we would have our hearts full of that and, and our hearts cry. And that's uh, to get those people hearing the gospel and the name of Jesus and getting them saved. Um, but I want to tell you that the mandate that God's given us as the people of God is not just to get people saved. And God didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. So when we look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we see clearly that God says, you need to go into all the world um, and, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you. So the full picture of the church is God just, isn't just interested in people getting saved. He's also interested in people being made whole. He's also interested in people's lives, demonstrating and living and tasting and seeing that he's good. He wants to be a God where you can see just how lavish, how beautiful, how amazing he is. Amen. So we can see there that the, the, the mandate is to go, the mandate is to, is to preach the gospel, the mandate is to bring people into an encounter and, and make disciples. And I'm going to, because I want to touch on the word disciple. But to make disciples, and the way you make disciples, first and foremost, is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's baptism a symbol of? Baptism is a symbol of a death and a resurrection. So the way you, can come, you come into Christ and get converted is by dying to self and living for Him. Okay, first and foremost, there is this reality, but it's not just a death. So even though in the church, even as 24-7, we do kind of often emphasize and say, you know, you need to die, I want to encourage you this morning, you also you need to live. You need to die to yourself. You need to live for Jesus. He wants to breathe. That's why it says here, teaching them. That's why we come and we gather on a Sunday, because it's to teach them. Teach them what I've said. Teach them to be able to display. Teach them to demonstrate. Teach them to show who I am. Teach them so that the world can taste and see that I am good. Amen. So it's just as powerfully to have a home base that's demonstrating the goodness of God. That's displaying who Jesus is. So a life yielded to Christ is a life that's, that's heart's is that everyone should know, that none should perish, but that all should know. And it's also a heart's cry that wants to live for Him and wants to display how amazing and how good He, good he is so that people can actually see and know the truth about the God that we serve. But it's all the lies that are being spoken about him. It's for our lives to display that. And we should be the ones that be so solid, so secure, so steadfast, and so true. And the only way we can do that is if we're faithful to him. And that means we have to surrender and yield our life to Jesus and put our heads on the rock, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's the, that's the, that's the journey that God has always desired for every single one of us, is that we would, we would do this. But we, we somehow get caught up again in this place where we feel like... Um, We need to, uh, we use our faith to get God to do something. And our faith was meant to be in what God has already done in Jesus. Your faith isn't some kind of magic thing that you use to get God to respond. Friends, He has already responded. He's God. He knew everything. He already knew us. And I'll go to Genesis chapter 1 now. But, He's he's called us to make disciples. Um, We need to be disciples. And the the, the word disciple, it's it's a disciplined one. Uh, It means uh, learner. So if you stop learning, you stop being a disciple. And how do you learn? The way God designed, the way the Bible designed us to learn is to follow. That's how you learn. So you don't learn by gaining a whole bunch of knowledge. That's man. You gain by following. It's almost like it's a great to have an apprenticeship. That's how Jesus operated. That's how they learned. You see, he would teach something, whatever, and then afterwards the disciples all come and I don't understand what's going on. Okay. Just watch. Okay, Let, watch me. I'm doing it. Okay, now let's do it together. That's awesome. Okay, now you do it. You see, we we need to be a people that we follow. And following, friends, is not mimicking a lifestyle. It's not, me follow, me just copy what you do in your lifestyle. And neither is it a code of ethics. It is a relational journey of trust. That's what follow is. You see, in light of all that I've said, it's a relational journey. It's me journeying with Christ. It's yielded to Him and putting a complete confidence and a trust in Him. That he knows, I'm just following the compass, Holy Spirit, I know the direction, I'm keeping in the direction, I don't know what it involves or what it holds, because you see, God's called us as the people of God to take risks, God never takes a risk, why? Because risk is involved with ignorance, and God has got no ignorance, he knows everything. So see, he might sacrifice, but he, he sacrificed Christ, but there was no risk so what he's called us to is to walk this journey where I put my head and I trust him. So it's a relational journey of trust. That's what it actually is. That's what the Bible's journey, you walk in your relation with God. It's a journey of trust. It's trusting in Jesus. Trusting in what he's done. Trusting in what he says. See, that's why when we have like Hebrews 13 verse 5, remember that, that he's the living word. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then we say, God, will you come and be with us? Or when we finish the service this morning, we'll say, Lord, will you go with us as we go out this day? And God's going, huh? What? I've never left you. I'm always with you. My prayer should be, Lord, thank you. Woo! I carry the presence of the Lord. You're always with me. Thank you that you go before me. You go behind me. You go on either side of me. You surround me. I'm filled with you. My life is so secure in you. Not, please, please, Lord. Right? So when we talk about following, one of the key things in our following there is just to understand the life of Christ. Christ, um, he, he, his life was not taken from him. His life was given. That's what the Bible says. He gave up his life. So friends, when I follow him, what I do is I also surrender. The Bible says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So daily I'm surrendering to him. That's how I'm following Christ. See, my job is the cross. My job is to to die daily. His job is to resurrect. See, we die, he resurrects. And so I say that because I want to say this. So when stuff happens in our life or there's a clash, we shouldn't avoid or, or try and not take the opportunity to die. Because otherwise we'll miss out on an opportunity for resurrection. So sometimes I come along in my life and I'm praying about something and God says this that, and I go, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I think, you know what, I, I got this one. No, take every opportunity to say, Lord, okay, I'll bow. I I think we should do this, but I'm going to bow to you. Because I give him the opportunity now to bring resurrection in that situation. As I yield to him. that's That's how we journey. That's how we walk in him. My responsibility, I have a responsibility for the yes. I have no responsibility for the rewarding of my decisions. God is the rewarder. I said, grace is God's part, faith is our part, faith is not what we do to get God to move, God moved independently of you and I, 2,000 years ago, and did everything that we needed, and then he said these words, and they're either true or they're not true, he said, it is finished. So let me take you quickly to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, how many know that in the beginning, in creation, how many know that man was the pinnacle of God's creation. He was the focus. He was the emphasis of God's creation. It was about man. Everything else was secondary to God wanted to create man. He made him in his image. He wanted to have fellowship. He wanted to be his God. He wanted to have communion and and a relationship with man. Man was the focus. But I yourself this question, why wasn't man made first? Because he was the pinnacle. He was the emphasis. He was the spotlight. He was the... Okay, there's two reasons. One is very obvious, and the other one's more a little deeper. The one very obvious one was, he only made land on the third day, so that means God would have had to tread water for two days um, while he waited for, for God to make land. And then he also then made the mountains and the trees, so man would have been running around as the land, mountains were coming up, and trees were coming out the ground, and it wouldn't have been that pleasant, right? Um, Listen, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating uh, uh, read when you go back, and Connor will tell you, I love Genesis because it's the beginning, and it's where everything comes from. Uh, it's the source of, of the heart of God. You can see it so clearly. But it's amazing how in the first day, he makes day and night, and then like a day or two later, he makes the sun and the moon. Anyway, moving on moving on, <laughs> moving on, um, so, so, so God makes man lost, so he makes everything that man will need, he perceives everything that man will need, he makes all of it, and then he makes man with having foreseen and supplied everything that man needs. Now ask yourself this simple question, do you see God, and you don't see it anywhere in the Word of God, do you see God waking up and going, oh, my word, there was an oil spill in, uh, in the North Sea, and um, we're going to have to make some more fish? <laughs> we don't see God going, oh, my word, there was pig flu, and I have to make some more pigs now. We've run out of pigs. <laughs> or do you know what? They chopped down too many trees. There's a little bit lacking in oxygen in this earth to make some more oxygen. You see, when God made it, then He rested. And that word rested there, it's a very powerful word. In, in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean, sure, man, six days and I was finished. I actually just rest. It was so tiring. What it means is like a, like a lawyer when it goes, I rest my case. Doesn't mean that he's tired. The lawyer's going like, sorry, Your Honor, I've got to sit down now. I've got to. No, what it actually means is that he's finished. He's done all that he needed to do. See, when God rested, it was, I've done it. It's finished. It's complete. And he's never had to create again anything in terms of creation, uh, it was taken care of, not just for Adam and Eve, but for every single of the seven billion plus people that live on this planet right now, God took care of every single one of their needs before. See, now if you can catch and understand, this freaks your mind, but if you can understand this concept that God, he's God, who knows everything, took care of everything before, Now, understand now when it comes to Jesus, why do we think less of Jesus and what He did on the cross? Because He said, it is finished. That means He foresaw everything. He brought us back to that original place, but not just the same. We're not the same as Adam and Eve. We have Christ now living inside of us. So He not only... Uh, uh, foresaw everything but he did everything and completed everything so that everything that we do need is now found in Christ that means I don't have to look somewhere else I don't have to try and move God I don't have to perform or do anything to make God do something I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ now and then when I ask God responds and then I have to uh, uh, release it, receive it and release it from the spiritual realm into the natural realm now, I understand, I know some of the questions might be, well, but you don't see that. Yes, we don't see it because often we don't know how to release it into the natural realm. See, God is spirit. We are spirit. And, and when he speaks, he speaks in the spiritual realm. That's why we have to understand and have those that have ears to hear. See, faith comes by hearing. That's not this ear. That's this ear. And hearing, not faith comes by hearing the word of God. Otherwise, we put on our Bibles throughout the whole night and we'll wake up all like... Um, Smith Wigglesworth. Um, the reality is faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God why does hearing come by the word of God is because we get to know the voice of God when we're studying we're seeing the voice of God we're reading the voice of God then as we get familiar with that you can start to hear because you know a lot of people they kind of want to make a doctrine out of it. okay this is how you're supposed to hear friends we're all different and we all hear differently the thing is, though, you've got to study the, and know the Word of God to hear. And then faith comes from hearing, because now once I'm hearing, every I don't, man doesn't live by bread isn't alone, by the food that you stuff in your, your body, because that just keeps you alive. Oh, that's really cool. No, he lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's by hearing, because that's what true life is. By hearing and obeying and doing what God's told me to do brings true life. That's how I really do live. Not just keeping my heart beating, right? So, uh, faith does not move God. It appropriates what God, by His grace, has already done. See, faith's not a tool to move God. See, there's no burden upon you and I to do something to get God to move. Uh, this is contrary to a lot of um, people's understanding in the church today, honestly. Even having a National Day of Prayer, up powerfully I was in agreement with the National Day of Prayer, but the prayers that were coming out was almost as if, you know, one, he wasn't listening, a hundred, no, I don't know, a thousand, ten thousand, okay, he's starting to listen, hundred thousand, okay, now God's paying attention. Uh, that's man. Man, you know, he says, listen, if you can get a petition of a hundred thousand people, then I will pay attention and listen. God doesn't pay attention and listen because you've got numbers. He's God. He pays attention because you've got faith. Because you believe Him. He pays attention because you come into agreement in alignment with what He's done. See, we're not asking God to respond. We are responding to what God has already done. It's what He's already done by grace. Faith cannot appropriate what God hasn't done by grace. You're not causing Him to. In fact, if you, if you, if you, if you think God is responding to what you do, <laughs> then can I say this you are religious see religion teaches, teaches you the old covenant teaches you you have to do this or you have to do that to get God to move and that is true in the old covenant but in the new covenant now we got Jesus sure I'll finish page two that's good see that's called being under the law And we're no longer under the law. You see, that kind of thinking, you never go forward because it's based on performance. And guess what? We all underperform. Every single one of us. Man, if you are looking for dirt in my life, you don't have to look far. Dirt's right there on the surface. But if you're looking for gold in my life, you might have to dig a little bit. So you see, if our our life in Christ and our journey in God is all about performance man you're always failing so you're always having to fix something you're always having to um you know you need you need to repent you need deliverance you need to get sorted out and it's been my life it's an eternity of fixing myself and you never get anything done and the devil loves it but the bible actually says when my focus is on jesus christ but my faith and my trust in him when i just want to yield to him and obey him he sorts everything else out Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest is actually added. So when you seek him, the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his dominion, when I yield to him and his rule in my life and say yes to him, then the rest gets added. My life gets sorted out when I'm following and I'm, I'm going after him. I haven't lingered and stayed trying to fix What are we doing for time? I don't know if I can unpack a lot of this in a short space of time. It's done. It's done. It's done, yes, it's done. <laughs> 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 All right. Oh well. Okay. Let me land with just a couple of thoughts and I've landed. Um, well this plane battles to land, but I'll 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 <laughs> I'll I'll bring it down in somewhere in the region of the of the runway. Yeah, <laughs> you might have to jump off here. Leave, just, just walk out. Leave me standing here speaking, honey. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to just leave you thoughts by reading some scriptures and then, and then, and and, and, and then hopefully spark something inside of you. Um, you know, um, if you read a scripture, two, 2 Corinthians chapter one. If we just read from verse twenty. Um, or even 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in, in Him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. So all the promises of God find their yes in Him. See, the Bible says, By faith and patience... You inherit the promises. All the promises find their yes in Him. What I do is add my amen, so be it. So my amen is saying, so be it. I'm coming into agreement, into line. I'm not doing anything. The promises are yes in Him. He's done it all. See, I've got to come into agreement and into alignment with His yes by saying, amen, okay, so be it. I'm, I'm bringing my heart into alignment by faith into what you've done. Now I'm going to trust that. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so if you jump to, say, Ephesians chapter 1. Let me just quickly. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. What tense is has? It's past. <laughs> who has blessed us. In Christ, so that we are already blessed in Christ, has already blessed us, right? So sometimes, when we as a people of God, now I'm careful I say this because there is a, I understand what people say and do, but when sometimes we pray and we say, Lord, will you please bless me? Then he wants to say, I have and I will continue to um, be blessed. But actually, the prayer should be, Thank you, Lord that I am blessed, that you have blessed me in Christ with every, how many, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Wow, there's that word again, foundation of the world. God orchestrated this before you and I, even we're anywhere near on this planet. This is how organized and how, how awesome our God is. That's why we should never wobble. That's why we should be so secure and steadfast and true in all that we do. Because it's not based on our performance and because He knew everything and we can trust a God who is faithful and who's seen already everything and has already prepared it to happen. And that's why I shared about the story in 1 Kings with uh, um, Elijah, when he sends him to the brook Cherith to, to get fed by the ravens, I mean, you know the story. He, he goes and he speaks to Ahab and tells him there won't be any rain, and then he ducks fast. Now, God says to him, um, you know, you need to go and hide yourself a little bit for the moment because this king is a bit nutty. And, um, but he says, you need to go to the brook Cherith because there I have commanded ravens to feed you. Isn't that amazing? That he had already instructed, the provision had already been provided for him. But he had to be obedient because it wasn't, it, the, the provision didn't come to him. He had to go to the brook. The provision was waiting there. If Elijah had stayed where he was saying, oh, Lord, please, I just want to pray now. Please, will you give me provision? Please, will you give me provision? And then he would have died <laughs> of starvation. And he would have got up to heaven and said, I asked you, please, could give me provision. He said, I told you where the provision was. And when I always love this, I always say this because I love this. Do you know a raven, a raven does not give up his food very easily. A raven is not going to give up his meat. That's, that's mine. So I'm telling you right now, when God provides for you, it doesn't matter who the hard nutter is. If he doesn't give up his food very easily, when God speaks to him, he will release the finances uh, for that which you need, right? Amen. Anyway, let, well, how did I get onto to that? Oh, Ephesians. Um, he has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, in love, He predestined us for adoption. There's beautiful words here. God has already taken care of it. In, in love, He has predestined us already. And then, you, I, I haven't even got time to, to go through all of this stuff. But let me just jump quickly to, um, I want to just quickly read the prayer of Paul. And I've landed so as we're just taxing in, this, is, this, this plane sits quite on the outskirts of the runway. As, is every, as we're taxing in, listen to this. If, if you knew you were going to write down a prayer that people were going to read 2,000 years' time, what kind of prayer would you, would you write? What's, what would you say? You'd say, please, Lord, I want you to bless them. Will you pour out your spirit? Will you, will you move mightily? Will you, will you bring revival? Will you breathe on them? Will you do... Most Christians would write that prayer. What's the prayer that Paul writes? Paul, Paul writes a prayer that will you open their eyes so they can see who they are. Will you open their eyes so you can see what's inside of them? This is this prayer. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I uh, do not cease to give thanks. For you, remembering you, in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of to which you have been called to. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Isn't that beautiful? What are the riches of His inheritance in the saints? This is all what we have. What's inside of us? He's not praying the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. That is just so powerful that we have the fullness of God inside of us. Not we're short and we need to pray and ask God to respond that we have the fullness of God inside of us. And then he says here, uh, uh, we have the same spirit whom he raised from the dead. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we have dwelling inside of, of us. So see, if you get a revelation of this, then what happens? This changes the way I live. This changes the way I pray. This changes me and, and, and the way I journey into, as, from a compass versus from a clock. I'm not praying now from the clock going, God, I desperately need you to move. I need you to come now. Can't you see that this is my deadline? This is what I've, this is the, what I've got to meet. This is what's going to happen. Instead of me praying like that, I'm now praying. I'm saying, thank you, Lord, that I am blessed. Thank you, Lord God, that you have already provided everything that I need. Thank you that as you lead me, you will take care of me. Thank you that you will supply all that I need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, friends, I don't have to come from a place of defeat or unbelief, trying to work towards a destiny of of victory. Um, I don't come from a place of, I'm sick. And now, Lord, help me to believe. I'm going to rise up my faith so I can believe for healing, so that you can uh, heal my body so that I can get to a place of victory. I come from a place of victory. I begin to declare to the Lord that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body. It's inside of my body. You died on the cross by Jesus' stripes. I am healed. I was healed. And so now, thank you, Lord God, that you on the cross purchase healing for me, so I come into alignment with your word, I come into alignment with who you are, I begin to declare, and I begin to speak, because you've already released it in the spiritual realm, and now I'm taking it from the spiritual realm into the natural, and there's different ways you do that, but one of the ways you have to declare, and you have to speak it, you, 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 you speak the word of God, you pronounce that living and active word, you let it go, because the word does not return void, but it accomplishes all that from which it was sent, so now you release that living word into the situation. So now I'm a guy who's actually resting in God. I'm not a guy who's having to perform or do something so that God will move so that I'll get a result. I'm, now, I'm leaving the results to the God. I'm just a guy who's aligning myself with Jesus Christ. I'm beginning to proclaim and declare what he has said. And I'm walking in that just in rest, trusting him because the outcome is not up to me. And even if I don't get the outcome that I wanted, I just trust him. Paul wanted to go to Spain. He never got to Spain, but he trusted the Lord every single step of the way. Whether God opened the prison doors and he got out or whether he was in prison sitting there all beaten up, didn't matter to Paul. I was just yielding my life. I'm just coming into line with who you are. That's why he could sit there and praise in the midst of a prison where he just got beaten up in the darkest place of his life. At midnight, he is praising the Lord because he just came into line with the living word. He came into line with Jesus and he just rested in that sureness and in that knowledge and his life portrayed who Jesus really is and I'm saying to you right now it's not about us getting all a whole bunch of answers it's about us portraying the 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 life of Christ who he really is and that's a life that's not shaken that's a life that's not uh, doesn't compromise doesn't wobble doesn't uh, you know drift here and there but it's a life that's faithful because I'm resting on the faithful one I'm not performing to try and be faithful I'm resting on the faithful one Amen. Shall we stand? We didn't get to too many scriptures, but that's that's all good. It's all good. It's all in there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I really do believe, and I want to encourage every single one of us, I really do believe that we are moving into a time right now where If we will align ourselves with His Word, if we will, we will put our total faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, and we will just declare what His Word says, we, just, we are responding to what He's already done, I believe that God's going to bring forth some incredible miracles. I think He's already giving us a little taste, a little credible miracles for those that maybe have seen or watched. I love watching all the different um, Olympic results, particularly Christians and South African Christians. And I'm loving the, the language that's coming from the South Africans, the the 400-meter hurdles lady, the Skunmaka, um, what is her name? The lady who won the 200-meter breaststroke. Um, just their language is is just one of, just, it's all Jesus. It just, it's just His grace, grace of God. I don't see any languages of, yeah, I've trained all my life, you know, it's been, you know, I've sacrificed, I've given up, whatever, and that, this is just a result of, of my efforts, and um, you know, and thank you, Jesus. Um, no, <laughs> uh, this is just a, a testimony of people that are just saying, despite His grace." I, I, I'm just so grateful that that I got this opportunity. I almost want to say to partner with Jesus and swim, um, <laughs> <laughs> swimming with Jesus. Um, but I just, I, I just, I, I just really feel that if we will. If we will grab hold of this, because I feel it's, it is, it is, it's, it's in the realm of the Spirit. As how many of you know God is Spirit? And uh, we are Spirit, soul, and body, three-part beings. And God has done everything in the Spirit, as we read. Um, but I believe God wants to manifest the, in the natural through our lives. Um, and that's where we come into line. So Lord, I just want to pray for every single one of us this morning. I want to say thank you for choosing us. I want to say thank you for your love for us this morning. Thank you that you didn't just leave us alone, but that you would come and you would call us and that you would choose to lay your life down for every single one of us. And not just lay your life down, but yield everything so that you could provide everything. And that the provision of God right now is available for every single one of us. And all it simply takes is a yieldedness and a yes and a laying of our lives down to Him. And saying, Lord, have your way. So I want to pray right now, Lord God, that in every one of our circumstances and situations, whatever every single person is facing here this morning, I can boldly declare that every single one of us have the same answer. Just say yes to Jesus. Just give it over to Him. Just rest in Him and on Him. Yoke yourself to Him. His yoke is easy. His burden is very light. In humility, trust Him. And as He speaks, follow Him. Because, Lord, I thank You for the miracles and the testimonies of miracles that are going to come forth from this group of of people, Lord, and believers. And that, Lord, we're going to see mighty things begin to happen, supernatural, beautiful, powerful things that are beyond us because we have rested and put our faith and our trust in you and in you alone. Lord, will you do what only you can do in our lives? We love you, Jesus. We honor you. You are so beautiful, so faithful. You are so true. May you get what you deserve and what you paid for on the cross. And that's a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit on fire and filled with your presence and power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Moving in signs and wonders and miracles so that this world cannot deny but has to acknowledge that this world cannot stubbornly ignore, but they have to bow their knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.